wanted to start out by telling you a little story. It's a story of two men that went fishing. One man was experienced and the other was inexperienced. The experienced fisherman, knowing that the other man did not have much equipment, brought along two coolers that day, both filled with ice. And throughout the day when the experienced fisherman would catch big fish, he would take them and place them on ice in the cooler. And he noticed that as his friend, who didn't know much about fishing, would catch big fish, that he would take them off the line and put them back. And so at first, he didn't think much of it. After a while, it started making him mad because they were good fish that he was throwing back. And so he asked his friend, he said, why do you keep throwing back all the big fish that you catch? To this, the inexperienced angler replied, because I only have a small frying pan at home. And I say that not in a funny way. I say that because I'm thinking in terms of expectations sometimes that describes us so well. When I was reading and studying this week, God checked me on expectation. God checked me on the fact that it's time to clean out the cupboard of all the pans that are too small and to begin to expect big things. I feel like our expectation is really a screenshot of our faith. I have my phone set up that if you double tap the back of it, that it'll take a screenshot. I feel like at any given time, we should be able to take a screenshot of our faith through expectation. If I could give a word of advice before I jump into this, it is don't let other people's opinions develop your expectation. An example of this would be Joshua and Caleb. We read about it, them in Numbers 13 and what God has done. God speaks to Moses. Choose 12 men, one from each tribe. 12 spies that are to go into the land of Canaan. They're to explore what God had promised. They're to get the details of what they see. So in the men sneak to the land, they spend 40 days scoping it out. One of the things they were told to do is bring back fruit from the land. The grapes that they brought back said they were so huge it took two men to carry a cluster of grapes. This is what expectation tells me. It tells me that I cannot erase the goodness of God. I say that to all of us because there's times that I feel like all the enemy wants to do is to erase the memory of every good thing that God has ever done in your life, to make you question it, to make you doubt it. But faith does something. When it came to these men, before I jump on that, they came back, they stood before the assembly. Out of 12 men, 10 spies gave the same report. Their report was, the people are powerful, the city walls are thick, and we should not attack. Two men gave another report. They gave that report out of faith, because here's what faith does. Faith looks past giants. Faith sees through the walls. Faith remembers.
I say this as a pastor because there's so many times that I feel like the devil in this point in time is specializing in just trying to wipe your memory. Wipe your memory. When it comes to expectation, expectation tells me that I can't unsee the truth. Faith will produce fruit. This is a foundational truth. But here's the truth when it comes to the fruit. You can't forget what God has given you the privilege to carry. My Lord, I feel the Holy Spirit. I say that because some of you are up against giants. You're up against walls. But some of you have held in your hands promises that God has seen come to fruition. Some of you have been in places where the devil has told you that will never happen, and it happened because God's hand was in it. I say that because the same God then, the same God now, your memory cannot be erased or reprogrammed when it comes to the goodness of God. The closer that you get to the promise, the more it's going to seem like the fight is brewing. But God knew this when he made the promises. God is not intimidated because you are two steps closer to the promised land. God wasn't intimidated then. God's not intimidated now. When I was studying, I came across something which was written by John Hagee, and it really got into my spirit. And so I'm going to share some things from that. Don't let other people's opinions shape your faith. And another thing to think about is don't let circumstance shape your expectation. Someone that we would point to here is Paul. The setting didn't quiet his song. In fact, the expectation, he used that in the prison. He was sitting in the prison. Can't you just see him? He starts singing, and he's like, wow, the acoustics are really good in here. And I'm going to sing louder, and I'm going to sing louder. It reminds me 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason, the reason of the gospel, the reason of Jesus Christ, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Here's the problem. You know what I want that day to be? I want that day to be later today. That's my problem. But expectation holds on to the one who holds tomorrow. And I need to know that he's got this. Faith remembers not just the promises, but the one who made the promise. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Just as God can save a soul, just as God can deliver, God gives expectation. And so who am I to turn down expectation if it's something that God put inside me? If this is what he put in me and the expectation is to walk through this life knowing, knowing that he has this, faith is meant to be shared. When I read this article, it's amazing. And one thing that was pointed to is recent studies show that 80% of people who claim to be Christians, better yet, who claim to be evangelicals, do not share their faith on a regular basis. Do you know why that is? Because of expectation. 
because they think that if they talk to their neighbor, then their neighbor is going to get aggravated with them. They think that if they talk to someone at work, that they're going to get written up and sent to HR. And so their expectation is this is going to fail, so I'm not going to do it. So expectation can work both ways. I say err on the side of Jesus every time. Here's the question. If God is for me, who can be against me? Romans 8.31. Who is it? Like, who intimidates you when you think about sharing your faith? Well, just say your, their name to yourself right now because they can't stand against you. Their anger toward you, they're holier than thou, always talking about Jesus. If they throw that at you, you know what? Worse things have been said and probably will be said about us. For Paul and for you, faith can see through the prison walls. At best, I have a limited perspective. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and she was reminding me of the fact that Ephesians 3.20, that God is capable of things that we cannot even imagine. Like You could sit and imagine all day the greatest thing God could do, and it won't even touch his ability. I want to read out of this Ephesians 3.20 Amplified. Now, to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. That is like buzz light your faith, beyond our greatest, infinitely beyond. I mean, that is, this is what I want. I need to stop spending my time trying to limit a limitless God. And when I walk around and I'm speaking in doubt, when I'm walking around wondering, well, can God do it? I am trying to limit a limitless God. Here's a quote that I loved. None of us understands all that God did to bring us to the moment that we are living right now. You have no idea the number of angel armies that have gone before you. You have no idea all the hands of protection that came before you in that accident, that came before you and whatever you were facing, how God's gone before you and protected your children in ways you don't even realize. We don't understand what brought us to this moment. And when I was studying here the other day, do you know what I thought? You know, I get in here, I was just thinking of the fact that there are times that we can feel like our faith is on shifting sand. You know, when you just feel like, I don't know, I don't know. And if you're honest, you would agree with me because all of us get there, right? But I was standing in here and the acoustics are really bad sometimes. Me and Tim, we talk about it. If you stand under there, you can hear your echo. It's crazy. And I, I just got mad. And there's times that I just get mad in faith and I'm like, firm foundation, firm foundation, and just letting the devil know I am not shaken by what you're throwing at me. I'm not intimidated by what you're throwing at me because God has this. Expectation, you know what it means? It means throwing the windows open when the world tries to stop your praise. That's what it means. You think of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, when discouragement could have won, and you think of Daniel's life, how many times could discouragement have won? Maybe when he got carried off, Maybe all of these things, hey, a lion's den when people turn against you, I think that that's a low point. And when you look at his story, if that was me, I'd be like, yeah, it's probably the place where I would break. But Daniel stuck with it. You can't convince me of this, that Daniel sat quietly and scared in a lion's den. 
You know the story. Daniel prayed three times a day, as was his custom. Men who hated Daniel because he had favor with the king went to the king and had the king pass a law that said for 30 days no one can pray to any man or God except you, King Darius. And if they do, they'll be thrown into a lion's den. Daniel did not break from what he did before. And there is a quote from that study that I love that said, when the rules changed, Daniel didn't. I believe that Daniel probably broke into song because God's people do that. Again, weird acoustics. I don't think it was just the sound of the lions licking their teeth and getting ready to eat him. I think after he praised, I would guarantee that he probably picked a lion as a pillow and slept like a baby that night. And when the stone was rolled away the next day, there was Daniel. But what's amazing is what the king said before the stone was rolled over. He said, may the God that you serve save you. Oh, he does. Oh, he does. And you didn't hear what Daniel said after that, but you just know, I just know in faith, like imagine that and be like, I'll see you in the morning. You know that that's how faith works. Your beliefs become behaviors and your behaviors become your habits. When it comes to throwing your windows open and praising God, even hell itself cannot stop a determined Christian when it comes to praising God. Here is something that was written, and I loved it. You live in the here and now. You cannot see from your vantage point all that God is doing, how he is working in your life on your behalf to give you an unbelievable future. Keep praying with great expectation, even when you cannot see that the great things are just before you. It always makes you wonder, because we can't see the next step. How close is that victory? And what is so sad is you know that there are times, I know there have been times in my life when I have stopped short of the victory. When I have, when I know what God can do, but in myself, I didn't have the faith to take that step that he was asking me to take. Remember the promises. Remember the one who promised. There are times that I feel like with God, like I'm pestering him, like I may be asking too much of him. And I'm reminded of this fact. Your faith and your conversation with your God are not like your internet subscription plan, where like if you use too much data, you get throttled. God is not going to throttle you. God's not going to be like you're asking too much. That is relationship. Proverbs 23, 18 said, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. 2 Corinthians 1.20 is a verse that I love. I'm going to read it from the NLT and the NIV. It says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ are amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. The NIV says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Are there any situations where you just need to amen about it? Do you have anything going on where just to let the enemy know that you are not giving up and you believe in your God, you need to amen about it? Does anyone amen in here? Well, there you go. So you've got some. I think there are times in faith where we need to engage the enemy in a way of letting him know, I am not doubting what God can do. 
And I'm going to start stacking my blessings up for you to count them. And we're going to see another victory go on this pile. The English Standard Version of that verse says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. I love that. Your expectation has power. Something that John Hagee said to close that out on Daniel that made me really think. He said, because of Daniel's faithfulness, all that was taken from the children of Israel was returned to them by King Darius. Everything that was stolen from the temple, every item that was stripped was returned. This is how spiritual warfare works. Spiritual warfare works by walking and saying, I am persuaded. I know my God is able. I'm going to walk in that buzz light your faith. I'm going to walk in a way because the enemy is just dumb enough that when he steals from God's people, it's like he gets one of those rental storage units. And there's going to come a time in spiritual faith where someone steps up in Jesus Christ and the door is going to get kicked in on the storage unit. And you know what I picture when I'm praying? I'm picturing me pulling up in the pickup and the devil having to put on his Crocs and bring the boxes out himself from the storage unit and put it back in the truck. That's how I picture it. That's like Leroy faith right there. (laughs) All of those people that were mentioned, Joshua and Caleb, Paul and Daniel, if there was something that would describe them, it's John 15, 19, not of this world, not of this world. I want to walk in a way that people are like, seriously, is that dude an alien? And no, I don't think that I am for everyone on live stream. We're not that kind of church. What I do believe is that I, in Jesus Christ, am a citizen of heaven. This is not my home, not of this world. Here's what I'm reminded of. I'm reminded of the fact that when a president, vice president, secretary of state from the United States goes to another country, what happens? When they go, the motorcade rolls in. This car, they call it the tank, the beast. There is a line of these things. There are secret service agents with the suburbans. They are walkied up. They are sunglassed up. They are in communication. They are strapped. This is how they roll. And what is wild when this happens, they don't become citizens of the place where they find themselves. They walk in the authority and respect of the United States of America. And the enemies, no, don't mess. Do not mess with those guys. They don't play. And spiritually speaking, the place that you find yourself right now, remember whose authority you walk in and who you represent. You are not of this world. You are not of this world of trouble. You're not of this world of heartbreak. You're not of this world of worry. You are of God's kingdom. Retain your identity. Genesis one twenty six tells me this, that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. I wasn't made to crawl around this world. I was made to have dominion. And as God's child, that's how I want to walk. Do you know why we have dominion? Because that image, we're not gods. We reflect the image of God. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The God whose image I reflect, I learned that there were power in his words. And I can't help but believe that there are power in our words when we reflect him. His words have absolute power. Luke 17, 21 tells us this, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. 
this is a beautiful thing. So when you start doubting, when the devil is like, who are you? Be like, I reflect Jesus and his kingdom I'm carrying around with me. And you hate that. And that's okay. No matter how tall the giants get, the promises of my father go before me. They go before me. I'm going to close on this. In the movie Jaws, Chief Brody, one of the greatest lines. You know it. Norm, you just said it. Whether you said it out loud or not, you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. He says this in response to a 20-foot great white shark, right? Well, I'm saying to you as a church, you're going to need a bigger pan. This whole idea of us cooking minnows and being okay with it, this whole idea of not wanting to take on bigger challenges because it's intimidating or things like that spiritually, I'm done with that. I am done with it. I am ready to get a bigger pan and see how big the fish are going to be that God sends. Dina, last week, she spoke about caves. Something we forget is that those caves that Gideon dealt with were in the promised land. That's what's crazy. Like, every time the promised land is mentioned, never was it mentioned as a land of good caves. It was mentioned as a land that flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, God promises that they will not stay in the desert forever. He will bring them out of Egypt, out of the wilderness, into a land that flows with milk and honey in Exodus 3.8. There is a quote that I saw. I don't even know who said it, but I love it. You can be on the premises, yet not in the promises. I do not want to walk close to what God has for me. I want to walk right in the middle of it. I want to wade in it. I want to be where he has ordained me to be. Sometimes, like that fisherman, we throw back big plans. We throw back big dreams. We throw back the big job, big opportunities, because we're scared. Here's the thing. I get scared, right? I'm not supposed to say that, so edit that out. Don't, you're supposed to talk like big things because you're a pastor. There are times I get scared. Do you know what strengthens me? What strengthens me is when I come together with the body and the expectation from other people, when I know that they're going through things, it builds my faith. That's what strengthens me. That's why it's important to be a part of a church family. I want to come in because there's going to be times I need the body to help me build my faith. And there are going to be times that you need the body to help you build your faith. This is why it's important that we come in with that expectation. Now, here's what's weird about the promised land. Remember, the first thing most people saw about the promised land was when those guys came back carrying those grapes. But the goal wasn't the grapes. The goal looked so much different than anything they could imagine. It says in Joshua 1.13, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Milk and honey, all the good stuff, wonderful. But God's promises are about giving you rest.
It's time to start giving the report from the God perspective. It's time to find our prison song. It's time to throw open the windows. It's time to stand in awe at the testimonies that are going to flow forth from this house as we press in closer to Jesus. And what is vital with that is that those testimonies are shared. Nobody came up to me this week. I need those. I need those. If you'll stand, we're going to pray.